When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and we are still the only nationally syndicated show and now podcast that deals with the issues of aging. And aging does not mean old. It means that we are going through a life stage that is perhaps 30 years, maybe 40 years, because we're middle-aged longer, we're not older longer, and growing. And I have been finding so many intergenerational programs where people, I won't say kids, I'll say people, from 16 and up are beginning to think about their own long life and realizing their longevity. And I could not be more pleased than to have somebody who's really living that dream right now on so many levels. Uh, His name is Dr. Majid Sadiq, and he has done so much for the global wellness effort. He himself personally is the director of Global Health Program, uh, and that is situated at the University of Vermont, Robert Larner, MD College of Medicine. And we're going to find out exactly what a global health program is in a minute. But I'm going to reveal, I'm going to reveal the reason that he is with this show today and why I'm so excited. He just came back just now with his daughters from climbing Kilimanjaro. And he didn't just climb Kilimanjaro. He's 71 years old. He lets me tell you that. So am I, by the way. And he prepared for it in a way that is extraordinary, not for only his own health, but also for the well-being of global health in general by climbing for a cause. And we're going to unpack all of this with Dr. Majid Sadiq right now. So thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm going to get to the jugular of what interests me the most. Uh, the truth is I want to begin a climb Mount Fuji first uh, Nepal second, ending in Kilimanjaro. And I've got plenty of friends who did do it. The oldest one did it at age 70. Now, by the time I get to it, I'll be maybe 72, 73. So how did you do it? You're a doctor, a renowned doctor. You prepared yourself. And you also did this intergenerationally with your daughters. So how did you all prepare and did you prepare differently? Uh, To be honest, we do not need much of preparation is more of the mental challenge than physical challenge. Obviously, uh, you need to be fit, but you need to also remember that seven-year-old boy as well as 87-year woman, they made it to the top of Kilimanjaro. I usually go to the gym, you know, maybe three, four times a week, and I spent one to two hours and mainly using aerobics. And then also sometimes if there is any opportunity, I will go for climbing one of the elevation, which is very close to Vermont or Connecticut. Now, altitude is a very big deal. And we hear that people who are older uh, have more difficulty. I think the, uh, I have a certain amount of acclimatation because I go to Utah a lot. And I did not find it terrible in, uh, in Machu Picchu. Now, I have to tell you, Dr. Majid uh, Sadiq, our listeners are real world travelers. So when I throw these words out like Machu Picchu and so on, they know what I'm talking about. And they go in groups. But Kilimanjaro, 
as you say, mentally looms very yes. large, like a I, great big I, deal. So how did you prepare yourself mentally? I, I think really you have to have very good motivation. For myself, it was a spiritual um, activity. And you need to remember then that Kilimanjaro is such a beautiful mountain. From day one to the last day, uh, you would see so much of the natural beauty. And then I would say just you have to push yourself. Unfortunately, there are a certain number of the people that they come down with mountain sickness. Nobody can predict who that person is going to be. But the chance that a woman would come down with mountain sickness is less. And the chance that a young person is going to come down with mountain sickness is more. And ironically, I would say that people who are smoking, they have less chance for mountain mm -hmm. sickness. So if you're not coming down with mountain sickness, I think really the rest is just doable is not very hard you have to push yourself and you will do it and i will say that i had that experience at machu picchu we went a little higher machu picchu is not that high cusco is higher we went up to sixteen thousand feet because of a, to see a school and it was the younger people in the group that actually had a harder time it's interesting you're right so, Be yeah yeah because many of the people believe the young people, they speed up. They are not basically, you know, climbing slowly. And the key to the success is just be patient with yourself and don't push yourself very strenuously. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of a break and hear about something called the Wonder Club for a minute and come back and talk to you, Dr. Uh, Sadiq, about that word motivation. You said you were very motivated, but you were motivated on a very global basis. I want to talk about your cause and how you climbed for a cause and how we can do that too. So nobody go anywhere. Let's hear a little bit about the Wonder Club. Do you love to travel? Would you like to own a charm inscribed with the name of each country, state, national park you visited? It gives me a thrill to wear a T-shirt or look at my charm set and remember the wonderful places I've traveled and plan my next trip. Join the Wonder Club with me, and you'll have all this while feeding an orphan child who needs your help. It's a beautiful, fun way to give back, and it only costs $4 per charm. Yep, wear your travel bragging rights on your keychain or necklace and feed a hungry child. Visit GenerationBoldRadio.com now and join. Yeah, we're all excited, Dr. Majid Sadiq, about this wonderful idea of giving back. And that's a big part of getting older. We start to concentrate on the world. Now, you are the director of the Global Health Program at the University of Vermont. Uh, that means a lot. So first of all, unpack that. What is global health and what are you studying and achieving there? Global health is mainly focusing on uh, teaching at least this is the objective of the Global Health at University of Vermont, to expose medical students to other side of the world, to see basically the people who are lovely, they are basically rich in culture, 
but they do not have enough resources. And medical students, they learn so much from those communities. And when they come to the United States, they would be very thankful for the resources that we have in the United States. And they learn a lot from those communities. United States is multicultural community. And being a physician, you need to understand the cultural background of the patients. So the major core of the global health is just teaching medical students, residents, and the faculty how to navigate in another culture and how to integrate the cultural background of the patient into the treatment and the intervention that you are going to apply. That's the major core and objective of global health. You know, we're pretty proud in this country of our health care, and uh, we have a health care system that some people feel is broken, but we feel our doctors are tough, and uh, we're spending too much money. There's going to be a whole lot of talk about that in the political arena soon, but we really do have the top. And the idea that people can learn from us, I think that time has come. And I know that the global health program is only in its sixth year. You would think it would have been there for decades, but it's so wonderful that you and the university are doing that. And before we take a little break, I want to tell you two things, doctor. Um, When we come back, we're really going to talk about the fact of your motivation in climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. It was for a cause. And we'll explain how that's done and how you, too, can do something like that for a cause. And this particular cause, in the doctor's case, was enhancing this area of global health. But I had two experiences recently. One was that we went to Mexico for medical tourism. And one of the things that we've learned is how much other countries have learned from us and how important this global health community is. And the second, I recently covered a conference called uh, uh, Women in Medicine, and it was the Global International Conference of Women in Medicine. It happened to be in the U.S. this year in Brooklyn. And there were flags, and there were costumes, and there was oh, uh, about a 1,000 women from all over the world. Africa, there was no continent, an area that wasn't covered. Uh, one of the new people I met was from Mongolia, and I'm going to be going out to Mongolia. So the, the idea of sharing ideas, let us say that we learn too. We'll be back in just a moment. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. A couple of housekeeping uh, items. We do have a companion blog, and I would like you to go take a look at that. Uh, the easiest way to get to that blog is simply to go to our website, adrianberg.com. And Adrian is spelled kind of funny, and people have said, well, how do you spell that? It's A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G.com. Uh, so if you go there, you will not only find a link to this radio show and its separate website, you'll be able to also ask questions, tell me the topics that you would like. If you go to Ask Adrian, you could suggest guests, and you can also go to the blog and see the entire blog post. It's called Aging for Beginners, and uh, we very recently uh, covered 
a medical conference that I mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago. That took place in Brooklyn, New York. It was the International Women in Medicine Conference, and it was fascinating. And Gloria Steinem was the keynoter, and I had a chance to ask her questions about aging. She is 85 years old. So we bring news from all over the world, uh, every single conference that has to do with aging and medicine. I generally attend and aging and design. So if any of these things are important to you, uh, the work that I'm working on right now for the blog is Why Won't Mama Listen to Me? And we're talking about your difficulty, which you have written to me, this is your show, of having difficulty with older parents who simply will not take care of themselves and want to cling to an old life that maybe is not safe for them. Right now, we're bringing you a wonderful guest. Dr. Majid Sadiq, and he is, well, he's a man of many parts. First of all, he's the director of Global Health Program over at the University of Vermont, Robert uh, Larner, MD, College of Medicine. Second of all, he is a world athletic star because he and his uh, daughters climbed Kilimanjaro, and they're back. They just did it in the summer, but they did it for a reason. And what he taught us was it's not so much the physical, it's the mental. And I've learned this. It's, it's actually a doctor. It motivates my life. And this is the phrase I use. The bigger the why, the easier the how. Now, you had a very big why. And I'm just going to sit back now, and I'm going to ask you to tell us your cause, why you climbed, and how perhaps we can help that cause. Thank you so much. Uh, as you know, uh, this was my fifth uh, climb uh, in Kilimanjaro. So last time... I did it to raise funds to establish a microbiology lab in very small village in Uganda. This time, uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the program at University of Vermont is only seven years old, and still we do not have a division to support nursing staff, which are crucial members of the health in any community and particularly they are so essential part of global health. So I was thinking that hopefully if I climb Kilimanjaro again, uh, this time including also two of my uh, children, uh, that may uh, motivate some of the people to donate some money uh, for this great cause. That was the major reason, and also I have to say it gave me opportunity to spend high quality time with my daughters as well. Uh, the uh, motivation uh, was very successful, as you know, and we were hoping to raise about $50,000. And so far, we are close to, I think, 22 or 23,000. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Put my, my ore in this water. Uh, more important than anything else, we want to raise more. And this is not a, uh, a cause that a lot of people concentrate on. But I'm going to tell you that global health is a two-way street. We teach, we learn, we get better. Uh, and this is also, in some respect, a show about living a wonderful life after retirement. And 54 people say they want to travel. And the reason they don't do it is they're worried about health abroad. Let me tell you that we make a very, very big difference and this is now a global world. So if you want to support this kind of research here and this kind of training here, I'm going to throw this back to you, doctor. 
Uh, where would they go to be able to see how you're fundraising and climbing for a cause? Well, we do have a website, and obviously there is link to the climb for the cause. And there is also a link if somebody is interested to, uh, to contribute to this good cause, they can easily really contribute. So it's better to go to you know, the University of Vermont uh, Global Health website, and then they can see the link to the client for the cause, and they are welcome really to contribute. Now, I'm also going to be publishing that on our uh, uh, website and also on our social much. media. Yeah, there's no doubt that this is an important thing. So uh, let me uh, put my own plug in. Please don't forget to contact us and follow us on Facebook, on LinkedIn particularly. We do a lot of LinkedIn work. Uh, those of you who are listening that are in the field of medicine or in the field of aging in any way, go to our LinkedIn and Twitter. So on our website, generationboldradio.com, and on all the social media, you'll be able to get the direct link. But if you happen to be Googling around, take a look at the University of Vermont Global Health Program. Uh, I want to also give you an idea that I'm planning to execute on your behalf, Doctor. Fantastic. Thank you Gen so much. to Gen. Yeah, generation to generation. I want everybody to know about this. Generation to generation, I belong to that. Uh, it's Gen 2, the, uh, the, the, the number 2, Gen. That's the way they call themselves, Gen to Gen. And it does just what you talked about. It helps people of different generations meet each other. And in your case, it was your own daughters. So before we have to take a little break, give us about a minute of, of what you meant by you got to know them or bond with them a little more. Certainly. Uh, you know, uh, two of my daughters, obviously the elder one, she's a physician, and my younger one is heading to medical school. And all of us, we have a very busy... I'm not surprised, by the way, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all of us, we have a very busy life. And then when you are going to Mount Kilimanjaro, really, this mountain is gorgeous. It's just amazing, beautiful mountain. And then you hike for several hours a day, and then you have plenty of time just to go to your tent and start talking about your experience. And talking about daily experience brings back so amazing memories from the past, and then we could reflect on challenges, beauties, and any other things that we had together uh, during the life. And uh, that was amazing because, you know, I learned so much, uh, for instance, about my younger daughter. I didn't know that she's so resilient because the last night of the climb, which is the most challenging part of the climb, she came down with nausea, vomiting and headache. And when I said, you know, we have to return back, she said, Dad, she look didn't. at the sky and all of those beauties. I'm going to push myself up. And she That's did. wonderful. And we're going, we have a hard break now. We're going to be back in just a moment. Don't you guys go anywhere. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. da 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 You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit. Because I am happy, and I freely admit, I'm inappropriate for my 
And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg. And once again, I welcome you back to the only show that deals with successful aging. And this is a particularly interesting show. And I think it's one that I'm going to use to explain what this show is really all about. You would think aging, a show on aging, would be about, oh, getting old, your decline, what hurts, how to fix it, what supplement should you use? No, here we have Dr. Majid Sadiq, and he's 71, and he's come back from climbing Kilimanjaro, and he laid it on us, you know, just as a little zest. This is his fifth time. You know, you'd think, okay, five already, with his daughters and uh, in this beautiful environment, and not just for exercise or to have a bragging right, but for a cause. And that cause has to do with uh, global health. And he is the director of the Global Health Program at the University of Vermont. And that's part of a consortium of other universities that are dealing in global health. So this is an important thing. And I don't know that if you think about medicine and you think about different practices, the first thing that you think about is global health. But if you're a traveler and you care about your health all over the world, and if you have a heart, and you care about people all over the world, you are thinking about global health. But, uh, but the truth is, Doctor, uh, it's not entirely uh, selfless. We are learning a lot from other countries. And as we talked about in the break, we're very, very good at curing. We're not so great at preventing. And I just read a report that said that for the older adult, stress is worse in terms of longevity and health, than smoking. I was really impressed by that because uh, I don't smoke, but I got a lot of stress. So what are you learning uh, when you do the, these conferences and you train people from other countries that we may not be on top of when it comes to prevention? I would say when I go to some of these countries, though they are very poor, I would say they are very happy and they are more connected to the modern nature. They listen to the beauty of the nature. They are very uh, family-oriented. They spend a lot of time with the family, with the loved ones. Uh, they have time, obviously, because in the United States, uh, we are in rush. In most of the other countries, the people take time off to spend uh, with the family and the friends and also just be connected to the modern nature. Meditation is more common among some of these countries that I have been to. For instance, when I was in China or I was in Vietnam or Thailand particularly, because we have also sites in these countries and we send medical students to these countries, meditation is a significant part of the training of the medical students. And I shall say, even when I was in Kilimanjaro, really, um, you know, when we were climbing Kilimanjaro, meditation was so powerful among at least three of us, me and my daughters. I would say when you calm down and you take your time, you spend more time with your loved ones, spend high-quality time with your friends, and then try to give and contribute to the communities, volunteer your time to be at the service of the underserved. These are what really makes life really rich and very meaningful. 
You know, I, I'm working on a book. I have a lot of books out, and I kind of burned out. I tell the truth to my listeners. Um, I burned out in terms of writing books. I've, if you look at Amazon, you'll find about 14 of my books. So I'm trying to figure out something that I really want to write about, Doctor. Really want to write about. And that's what it is. It's, uh, I call it contributory aging. We talk about something called positive aging, where everybody exercises and they have Botox and they get involved and they travel and they do all these very nice first world things. But something is always missing. Everybody tells me how busy they are in retirement, but are they really blissful in retirement? And when you talk, it sounds blissful to me. It's very moving. And I think it has to do with this idea of contribution, which you didn't have to read a book, you know, to, to figure out. But a lot of people out there want to make a contribution to something in the world, and they just don't know how. And now when they're retired, their, their whole uh, structure of their work kind of disappears. And they have to create their own structure for contribution, which you did in Climb for a Cause uh, in climbing Kilimanjaro. And I, I just remind everybody, if you want to learn more about it or get excited about it, you'll be able to see the direct link on our social media and on our webpage, generationboldradio.com. But you can also go and Google the University of Vermont Global Health Program. Now, uh, we're going to take a second now to talk about heart health because it is very important when you're in altitude and climbing. And we're going to have a little bit of a drop in now to discuss about some findings with regard to our heart. If you want a healthier heart, you've got to have friends. Significant sociologic studies reveal that socialization has a direct impact on physical and mental health. This probably comes as no surprise, but the extent of the impact is rocking public policy innovators. It seems that recovery from heart disease and stroke is significantly faster for people who have support groups. Married folks live longer and with less health issues than singles. A deeper dive shows that peer modeling is a powerful cause of better health when your peers exercise and eat nutritionally. There are so many factors that lead to better health for those engaged in robust relationships that healthcare dollars are beginning to seep into social connection programs. It's not yet clear whether socialization through social media can take the place of a face-to-face -face communication in improving health outcomes. But you can bet there'll be a study on that one shortly. Okay, so this, I uh, was speaking with Dr. Majid Sadiq, and that's exactly what you said. What you said was that what you've been impressed with in terms of health prevention was the connections that people have in other countries <laughs> to their family. Now, this is what I don't understand. How come we don't? You have seen cultural, so many cultures. What's your take on this cultural issue? I was saying United States, just we are too busy. You know, we start our day almost 6 o'clock, and then we go to bed sometimes at midnight. And even when we are home, we are very much engaged with work. There is no much of the space for ourselves and for, for our friends. I think that retirement would be the best time now to think twice what we would like to be doing. I believe at the end of the life, what makes me very happy is reflecting on my impact on the other people. How many people really during my, my life I could change their life 
or I influence them, or at the end of the life, really how many good friends, real friends I have. So everything is about connection and how much time you are going to spend on your friendship, new connections, and the old connections, and socializing with the, with the others. I hope that we just think that way, that what is rewarding in life is not necessarily a big home or a big house or a big car. It's the quality of the life that we spend with our friends and with our children and family members. Yeah, I think that although there is no real study on this, this is what we used to call wisdom. And we used to say that the big strong suit of people who were older was that they were wiser. In fact, that, that's our idiom, older and wiser. And yet there's so much ageism we forget how much we could learn and more importantly, how much we could teach. And although it just sounds you know, good, what we're talking about with the doctor, the fact is it makes a huge, huge medical difference. People uh, who are connected with others, a Harvard study showed, live two and a half years longer than people who aren't only by having six friends, just that one difference. And men have an issue because they often lose their social uh, director. I call the wife the social director or the significant other the social director when they pass away. And, and it's a very big issue. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some of the things that you can do in your life to make greater contribution. And we'll talk specifically about climbing for a cause and global health. And I think what's really important here is that we are creating a very quiet revolution. Baby boomers had a very loud revolution when we were younger. And today we wonder, have we really left the scene? But we haven't. We're still there making a difference if we are willing to be the positive deviants. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. And take on aging as a beautiful time in life, as the doctor says, to reflect, to have friends, to be with family, and to contribute. We'll be right back. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. Now, I get around, and maybe you'd like to meet. It's very easy. You go to Adrian Berg, A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G.com, and uh, you'll see Ask Adrian, and you'll be able to tell me if you have a conference, if you need a speaker, uh, if you have a cause that you would like promoted. I read everything. So please give us as much information as you can. Uh, and perhaps you'd like to join one of the conferences that I will be speaking at or attending. I'm going to be co- speaking uh, this um, next week, actually, in Pennsylvania to activity directors, showing them how to have more life engagement with the people in their residences. So if you're part of a residence community for seniors, if you're an activity director, if you're an operator, 
uh, or a director of the community, let me know at adrianberg.com. We may be able to help you in many ways. Uh, there's the Metabesity Conference, which is taking place mostly for doctors. Uh, that's Metabolism and Obesity and Aging. That's going to be October uh, 16th in, um, in Washington, D.C. There is Leading Age. Everybody listening should consider going to Leading Age if they're in the field of aging. And that's going to be in San Diego on October 29th. And I'm going to be speaking in a symposium about using the outdoors in your communities and how important it is to commune with nature as we age. And that's just the beginning. Uh, So let us go back to our guest, Dr. Majid Sadiq. And he has a terrific cause. That cause is to bring to the United States more folks that he can train and learn from, too. Uh, at the Vermont University program, Global Health Program, which is the director. But the one thing he wanted everybody to know, and you can hear it in his voice as he talks, he wants you to fall in love with the possibility of actually climbing Kilimanjaro. Because for many people, it's the ultimate. And I will say, doctor, you should know, you, you don't know this, but my listeners do. I belong to an organization called Free Walkers. And everybody can no. look, freewalkers.org. And we don't climb, we walk. But uh, tomorrow, for my 71st birthday, I'm doing 25 miles with them from Atlantic City, New Jersey, to Ocean City. Many of them are also climbers. And they do Nepal once a year. Freewalkers.org does Nepal. So so whet our appetite. Make us drool over that beautiful experience you had at Kilimanjaro. Uh, You know, uh, you know, Kilimanjaro, as I said, is not really technical climb. It's like walking and slow, slow, pole, pole, slow, slow, and is cold, unfortunately, after three or four days of climbing. And you need to be very well equipped with right gears. And I think really the other piece of the gear that you need to have is very good shoes and very good sleeping bag. And you have a wonderful group of the porters and also guides, and they're going to help you during the entire really climb. And you have to only just focus on your health, particularly hand hygiene is very crucial because sanitation on the Kilimanjaro, unfortunately, is not very good. And purification of the water, for instance, would be very Uh, very crucial as well but then everything else is beautiful and nice and gorgeous let me ask about purification of water it's a problem that climbers have and and even travelers so there are filters you could buy there's just bottles of water you could take but that's very heavy i know that one of my biggest issues on the very long walks we have one around the potomac which is 50 miles in one day and I can't carry enough water, so there, there are stands for that because they take good care of us. But uh, how do you work the water uh, when you do uh, Kilimanjaro? On Kilimanjaro, fortunately, plastic bottled water is not allowed. So what your team, uh, supportive team, is doing is boiling water for you. And usually I use also uh, basically iodine tablet. I add it uh, with some, obviously, electrolyte uh, to the water, and I drink between three to five 
uh, basically liters of the water a day because uh, hydration is the key on the mountain. So that's the only way that I, I basically take care of my water, boiling and then adding uh, iodine tablet to it. So these are all routines, by the way, that if you are a good traveler and you go to Kilimanjaro with a group uh, or you go to Kilimanjaro with a, uh, a specialist in the area, and there are many, many of them. I meet them all at the New York Times Travel Show. Uh, you certainly will have all of this important information. Right now, I, I do want everybody to know about the Wanderer Club because it's, uh, it's something wonderful for us who love to travel. Let's hear about the Wanderer Club. Do you love to travel? Would you like to own a charm inscribed with the name of each country, state, national park you visited? It gives me a thrill to wear a T-shirt or look at my charm set and remember the wonderful places I've traveled and plan my next trip. Join the Wonder Club with me, and you'll have all this while feeding an orphan child who needs your help. It's a beautiful, fun way to give back, and it only costs $4 per charm. Yep, Wear your travel bragging rights on your keychain or necklace and feed a hungry child. Visit GenerationBoldRadio.com now and join. Yes, Doctor. So that's kind of what, what a great wrap-up to the show. Uh, the Wander Club just is a way that anytime you spend even $4, even less, you, uh, you're feeding a child. And at the same time, you have a little memento of your trip. I just think it's a wonderful thing to do well by doing good, and that's really what you are doing. So when are you going next? We, we have a, a couple of seconds. When are you going to Kilimanjaro again? Uh, I hope in maybe two or three years, and hopefully again I will find a new cause. And hopefully this time is going to be with one or two uh, physicians and the nurses and maybe even more. So we are going to do it as a group and hopefully for a new cause. Oh, wonderful. So if you, when you plan that, and people do want to plan something like this, one and even two years uh, ahead of time, let us know, and maybe we'll all go together. It'll be a generation. Oh, that would be oh. lovely. I would love to really have you as a member of the team. It would be wonderful. We'll scare all the porters. We'll be, <laughs> be so enthusiastic. Well, thank you so much. And for everybody thank else, you. as I always say, as I always say, get out, kids, and make it happen. <laughs>